I implore you to take user experience as seriously as you would the functional requirements that you have on the tools that you're using. Because technology adoption is continuing to move at a fast clip, but younger members of audiences have grown up with technology as normative. They've grown up with easy to use as normative. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. It ain't what you know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. No matter who penned this sentiment initially, nowhere is it more true than in the realm of software development and the user or customer experience. Whether you are creating software for internal or external use, you want people to use your software. You want people to engage with your software. You want people to be fans of your software. Today's guest did not originally pen the opening quote, but he did pen something profound. As soon as someone decides what they know for sure, then investigating stops, curiosity halts. The learning process slows. Often people resist creativity, innovation, and engagement because of what they feel they know. A much more eloquent way of saying, when you assume, you make a, well, you know how that ends. Today I'm talking with Mike Peck, president of Outside Source, a team of developers and designers focused on the user and customer experience in the IoT ecosystem. Welcome to Status Go, Mike. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It's really good to be with you today. Well, we have been talking about getting together on this podcast for quite some time now, so I'm pretty pretty excited for our conversation. And you know, when I was reading your blog post, you had me at Mark Twain uh, <laughs> and relating that to the connected experience. So we're going to get to that in a minute, but I'd love to start with your journey. Would you share a bit about your background with our audience? Certainly, certainly. So in college, I became interested in consumer behavior with respect to how people process information and then make purchase decisions. And I spent a good portion of my career in creative services and marketing, always finding an interest in how messages and visual design complement one another to draw people's attention and create advocacy. And as technology evolved, my interest deepened in how brand interactions were influenced by the technology that was used. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with Outside Source, where do you and your team focus? And if you can share one or two of the products where we might have interacted with your software. Sure. Think of us as designers and developers together both right brain and left brain, we design and develop connected mobile and web applications. So I like to think of it in the same way that architecture honors a balance of form and function. Our specialty is digital experiences that create connections between devices and customers. With respect to the work that we do, think of using your phone to control your HVAC system. We've got deep experience there. Think about using your phone to connect with consumer electronics like Bluetooth speakers or other items in your home. 
that is essentially IoT or connected device, and that is our specialty. Well, how did you take what you fell in love with at college, the blending of form and function and architecture, and how did you end up running a tech company? Well, honestly, it was an intentional pivot because as a result of seeing what was happening with technology, it became obvious to me that brand interactions essentially were were finding new channels. The mobile devices and and software applications that we use are so pervasive and they're they're opportunities to deepen a relationship with a customer. And and if taken for granted, that might get you into trouble. So I really liked the idea of saying, you know, think of a branding experience as a connected experience. Well, let's talk about customer experience. This is something you have been focused on for years. Can we start with a definition? What is customer experience and how does it differ from the user experience? Excellent. So I tend to have a very broad definition of the word customer. I think of anyone that has any connection at all with what's designed and developed electronically as a customer. So for example, you have internal colleagues and stakeholders that have to use, support, gather data, or make decisions based on what's developed. I see deep value in considering what the experience of all of these groups might be as you design and build. So let me give you an example. Let's let's look at a hypothetical. Let's say that you have a device that measures the amount of calcium deposits in a home water heater. Okay. If it's really easy for the customer to use and they see a lot of value in that, yet it's very difficult for somebody in the field to install, your adoption rate could suffer because of poor customer experience at the dealer level. The same would be true if your web dashboard was not intuitive with respect to data and or reporting at the corporate level. You have to manage each customer angle very well. Mike, I I love how you talked about the customer experience there, because a a lot of times it gets, uh, I'll say relegated, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it gets uh, categorized as an external relationship with a customer who is buying our company's product or service. And I know you and I got into this debate a few weeks ago, because I came up through IT, corporate IT to be more specific, and I really started to dislike the the labels of user. And so I had yeah. my team shift to starting to call our colleagues within our organization as customers. And then we further evolved that and started calling them partners mm. because... You know, the role of IT a lot of times is is one of service, as it should be, to the organization. But as we get more and more aligned with the organization and we get more and more on the forefront of designing and impacting the external customer experience, we Mm. become less of an internal service provider and more of a value generator, more of a business partner. And so I, I know that's just nuances on, on words, but I loved how you tied that together as you were describing the customer experience and the, in the example of the hot water heater. I think that's fantastic because we've, we've all messed with those over the years. 
I like what you're saying because I tend to think in terms of stakeholders, everybody that is either using or interacting with the tools mm -hmm. that are deployed, whether they are customer facing in terms of a, a consumer or not, everybody has a stake in it. Yeah. They, have a, they have a stake in whether it's easy to use or not. And my, my example about the hot water heater is not flippant at all. If you have somebody that, let's say that they have 10 calls to make in a day, they have the ability to say, I'm not installing that. It's too frustrating. Mm -hmm. So making all of the, the stakeholders delighted, like we've done some B2B things where we intentionally made it easy for these guys to onboard because I know that they're doing so many other things. Mm -hmm. Simplify the onboarding process. Make it easy for them. I was just looking at an app this morning that I was wanting to download onto my, my laptop. And even in the description of the app, it said, well, it's a little difficult to install, but once you have it installed and set up, it works beautifully. And it's like, I'm not doing that. I don't have time for that. Exactly. Exactly. Mike, I know when we aren't geeking out talking about history, we spend a lot of our Zoom calls talking about some of the challenges facing developers today, especially the challenges of customer engagement whether that customer is outside your organization or inside, trying to get people to use our software and engage with our software is a huge challenge. And sometimes if you've got an IT department that is only internal facing, in other words, they don't develop anything for the external world other than maybe a, the corporate website, a lot of times they don't see themselves in this mode of having to worry about their brand Mm. having to worry about marketing IT to the rest of the organization. And they may be missing out on opportunities to engage. So what are some of the challenges and problems that developers are facing when they're trying to get customers engaged with their software? Well, understanding that I'm not a developer, I'm going to give you some observations. Mm -hmm. First, never forget that you have to sell your ideas. It's really, really unlikely that your audiences are as passionate about or familiar with what you're planning to do. So in order to do that, get clear on how to simplify what you're doing and why it's important. The next thing is I implore you to take user experience as seriously as you would the functional requirements that you have on the tools that you're using. Because technology adoption is continuing to move at a fast clip, but younger members of audiences have grown up with technology as normative. They've grown up with easy to use as normative. So if you lose the support of an organization because your UI UX is rudimentary, it is hard to bring them back. And just in summary, create advocates of what you're doing, design experiences that cause them to say, that was really easy. That was awesome. That was helpful. I think you, you really hit on something there when, when you are talking about make sure that it's as easy to use as some of the products we use in our daily lives. It's that whole consumerization of IT and, and the user interface and the user experience, because you're right. I mean, I grew up in the days when we had green screens and it was, uh, text only, right? Not even a graphical user interface. And 
And I will say we did have color, though. We had amber as well as green. Nice. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but these days, you really have to think about whoever is using your software in terms of how would they use it on their iPhone or their Android phone or whatever mobile device they happen to be using. And is it easy enough? I spend a lot of time with my seven-year-old grandson and I'm stunned at the way that he can operate an iPad. Yes. They use them in school and he just flies around on that. So how do you help an IT department or even some of your clients, Mike, to get to develop that advocacy? What are some things that they can do to build that within their organization or within their customer base? That's a great question. The first step that I would say is really, really try to bring as much empathy into the conversation as you possibly can. Try to envision what your audience is thinking, concerned with what's, again, what's normative to them. In advance of any launch or presentation that you're gonna make about what you're wanting to launch, And there's a real simple way to do that. Write a sentence down with respect to what you want your audience to take away from your idea or an initiative. So as an example, I've got a meeting with you, Jeff, and I'm presenting an idea to you. You run into a colleague in the hallway 10 minutes after I'm done, and your colleague says, well, what was that about? Something is going to come out of your mouth. If if your audience will write down the desired state of that sentence, it will force them to really, really simplify everything. And that's really hard to do because software in general has a lot of functional benefits and you, you, you're just going to want to go, well, there's this and this and this and that and this yeah. and that and this. Because you're proud of it, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. The, the general person that hears the presentation, whether it's a C-level person approving it, doesn't know it as well as you. So try to determine what are the takeaways that I want them to get out of this. And let me, I'll I'll summarize how they do that. Apart from writing that sentence, cover these four areas. Story, why is it a good idea? No, really, why is it a good idea? Not just this is the next best thing. Why is it a good idea? The second thing is, what is the benefit of the technology in connection to the idea. What's the technology doing in connection with the idea? The third is, how is the experience? Is it easy? Is it hard? I'll tell you that a large portion of the population of of the people that are consuming software that's launched by organizations, all they really wanna know is, is it gonna save me time? So what is it about the experience that's going to help them? And the last thing in, in terms of pitching or organizing your thoughts is, what are you measuring? Support your case because you're always going to be asked to support the case. It's not going to be the last time you're pitching an investment in software. So just to summarize, what's your story? How does the technology connect to that story? What's so great about the user experience? And how are you scoring? How are you measuring? I love that as a concept for building the building a case. We all that we've spent years in in IT and we're always needing to build that business case and and talk to 
the the colleagues in the other departments of our businesses about what it is this application does, even if it's a large scale application, as you say, you don't want to get lost in the in all the functionality. You want to know what's the business benefit. And I love story. You and I, we spin some yarns, man. Yes, we do. Uh, um, but it's an important part. And, you know, it's a skill that as we are bringing and developing our teams of IT professionals, of tech professionals, I don't know that we spend enough time on storytelling as, as a requirement, right? It's one of those soft skills that we don't we don't focus on. The other thing that I love the way you started, Mike, was empathy, because that's really a foundation of design thinking, right? In a sense, what you're talking about as you describe that. Yes. And I and I'm going really deeply with with empathy and and if it's okay what I'll do is let me let me dive into something. Yeah, yeah. Cuz you and I talked about the comment of me saying, you know, when investigation stops curiosity halts. Mm-hmm. So let me let me explain. Somebody is quoted as saying being willing to be a beginner every single morning is a value. I don't know who that was, but that's really a key because you can solve problems by taking the skills of your past and your present into the challenges, but just know that others are going to see things differently only because there are frames of reference that everybody has. There's, there's fear of change at play. There's skepticism at play. But if you're a beginner, there's always something to learn and you're always going to have empathy for others with respect to their thoughts and positions and not get frustrated by them. So think of it this way. There's a cognitive malady that I like to uh, playfully call, can't you see? And essentially what it means is, can't you see the world the way that I see it? (laughs) Why is that? Well, your audiences don't have the same history, the same frame of reference that you do. And I'll give you an example. You were talking about green screen. I'm old enough to remember VCRs. Uh-huh. And I can also remember getting deeply frustrated when my mom asked me to come over and program it for her. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you should know this. I, I shouldn't have to do it for you. Well, going back to what we said at the beginning, this was something that I knew for sure <laughs> uh-huh. that, that wasn't true. I was thinking, can't you see how easy this is? And all my mom was really saying was, would you mind helping me understand? Yeah, yeah. And there's a huge empathetic difference there. There is. So empathy empathy goes really, really deep, not just in design thinking in terms of behavior. It goes deep into what am I holding on to? What am I afraid of? What am I interested in? What are my aspirations? What... And the more your uh, your audiences can grasp that, the quicker somebody is going to get your story. Yeah. We had a guest on a couple episodes ago, uh, Sumir uh, Karai. Uh, Sumir is the CEO of a company out of the UK, One uh, E. And he talks about, they commissioned a survey of end users and IT professionals. And one of the huge disconnects that they found in there was the majority of end users believed that the IT professionals didn't like to help them. Yes. 
And the IT professionals overwhelmingly said, we love to help the end users. That's why we do what we do. And to me, it's, it comes down to what you were just saying, Mike, about showing that empathy, whether it's helping your mother program her VCR or whether it's solving a ticket on a, on a help desk. The other thing that occurred to me as you were describing that is the danger or the trap that we fall into a little bit. We have a generation of employees in our workplace now that grew up with technology. They grew up with it in the palm of their hand. They know how to operate it and use it. And as IT professionals, I think sometimes we make the mistake that they understand technology just because they know how to use the device. And to your point, I think sometimes we have to force ourselves to think that, no, they don't know how that phone does what it does or that iPad does what it does. They just know how to use it. It's like me in a car. Man, I have no idea how that car works, but I know when I turn the key and drive away, it's going to get me from point A to point B. But all that leads us back to that great quote of yours from your blog post, Mike. And uh, you just mentioned it a second ago. But I, I want to see if you have some advice because many of us went into tech because we have this insatiable curiosity and a love for solving problems. That's why we do what we do. How do we avoid falling into the trap you warned us about? As soon as someone decides what they know for sure, then investigating stops, curiosity halts. How do we, how do we keep on guard to prevent that? I, I think the answer is staying curious about things outside of just technology. So think about it this way. If you did something to demonstrate to your audiences that they are understood, they are heard, that is, that is empathy. I have a feeling that perceptions on both sides are wrong. So I'm going to just project. Let's say that the internal quote, colleagues or stakeholders think that IT is just forcing things down our throats and they never really understand what we're doing. And IT is, is saying, look, I'm, I'm launching these things all the time to show you how to make your life easier. Well, those two messages are passing in the night. Yeah, yeah. So again, go back to be, stay a beginner, stay open and listen. Honestly, what I would do, I know that, uh, I know we're, we've covered a lot of ground here, but what I would do is I would ask, if I were in this IT role, I would ask key audience members a question. And that is, what's the one thing we can do to make, it, make your life easier? And then follow it up with, why is that? So if they say something like, save me time, that's not really an answer. So when they answer, find out why. I, yeah. You know, it's a series of questions. I had a mentor that used to say, you know, look for deeper streams, ask more questions to really get to the root cause. Man, you are just full of great quotes. We're going to have a hard time coming up with a title for this episode because <laughs> we usually pull out a quote that becomes the title. We're, we're going to have to work hard on that, Mike. One of the things that we glossed over a little bit that I want to spend our last few minutes on. When you're working with your customers, 
We talked a lot about your advice to the internal IT team on how to engage. How do you help your customers realize the importance of the customer experience, the user experience, as as they're coming to you for help? I think there are two things to keep in mind. I, I constantly tell our customers as well as our prospects, if if you're going to just hand us a requirements document, we're not the right people. If you're going to hand us an objective and problems to solve, then we are definitely the right people. Because I want to keep asking those questions. I want to understand, well, why do you want this connected product? What's it supposed to do? What's your roadmap three years from now? What's your roadmap six months from now to make sure that we don't build a foundation that can't support your vision? That's one thing. The other thing is I advocate for my team to kind of live under the philosophy of what if. Constantly bringing ideas saying, what if we did this? Have you ever thought of that? And honestly, it's not a way to sell up. It's a way to allow the customers to broaden their perspective because they're focused on the task at hand. I need to connect this device and do it, you know, to do this. They're so laser focused on that. And I want to be able to open their vision, their field of vision a little bit. And that that idea may not happen for a couple of years. But if I elicit the, wow, I didn't think about that, mm-hmm. mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't believe I've ever chatted with any of your customers, Mike, but I've got to believe they love working with you and your team just because of that approach of, you know, what if, what if we did this? What if we did that? And I know going back to the corporate IT perspective, uh, I know there were a lot of heads nodding from our listeners when you were talking mm-hmm. about, don't bring me the specifications, bring me the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me what your solution is. Uh, hey, I want you to install this piece of software. Tell me what the problem is and let me help you figure it out. Well, most of the time, they don't really know what the problem is. Exactly. They think, yeah. Yeah. They think they do, but they don't. It goes back to asking those questions and digging beneath, right? Yeah. And if you don't have if you don't have deep empathy, you will stop asking questions at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not staying a beginner, you will stop asking questions at a certain point because immediately your brain will go, oh, I know the answer to that. Then you'll go down the path of that answer. Uh, I had a really good friend that that always said, you know, we have to live in the question rather than the answer. (laughs) We have to ask more questions. Yeah. So we don't just quickly throw out an answer. Mike, this episode has been chock full of actionable advice. And one of the reasons we started Status Go a couple of years ago was we wanted to encourage our listeners to take action. Yes, we want to educate and inform. Hopefully it's a little bit entertaining from time to time, but we want them to take action. As you think about our conversation today, what are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation. I would reiterate the importance of empathy going a little bit deeper than just the requirements. Okay. The second, and and the main reason for that, and I'll say this again, just to be more clear, let me reiterate that what's really important is this quest for empathy, deeply understanding your audience. So What you get from that is, wow, they really heard me instead of I just have to learn another task or another piece of software. 
And the, the second thing is stay a beginner. You're, all of your audience is really, really bright. They, they understand technology. But uh, one of the guys that I heard talking about that was a, a professional tennis player that basically said, if somebody came to me that was giving me advice on how to improve my game, I would always listen. As soon as I, as soon as I stopped taking counsel, I wouldn't get any better. So I would say to your, your team, be as empathetic as possible. Always stay a beginner and have fun on the journey. Mike, this has been tremendous. Thank you so much for carving out some time to talk to us. I enjoy every one of our conversations, and this, this was a gem, so thank you. My pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, Go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tunn. For Mike Peck, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.